Hello and welcome to another episode of Miked, the official podcast of St. Michael Catholic Church, Gastonia, North Carolina. I am your host and director of evangelization here at St. Michael, Shane, and I am joined this week once again with the jocund. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Father Rossi. Jockin', jokin'. Oh, J-O-C-U-N-D. It means jovial, happy. It oh. means excitable. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Jockin'? <laughs> yeah, yeah, where does this come from? I, I, I don't it's know. It's a thesaurus. And we are, in, we are uh, invested, transformed in fully the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And during this Lenten season, yes, we, are. we are underway. Be invested, be transformed, be His. Return, the return Lenten experience has begun. It has begun, and I'm enjoying the, uh, the questions and... And the very brief reflections, and uh, you know, as you said last week, it's good to see people with the book in their hand. Tell, our, tell some of our listeners maybe jumping in what we're talking about this Lenten experience, this journey of faith. sure, sure. This uh, the book by Father John Burns. We're using it as a parish-wide pilgrimage, really, uh, where all of us together as a parish are united in reading uh, the same devotions, uh, answering the same questions. Uh, as we prepare for the the Easter feast uh, during this season of Lent, and I've really enjoyed it. And I want to start out by um, today's, we're recording this on a Wednesday, and one of the questions that he asks, I think, is really related to something that you had preached about this past Sunday, and it's the temptation story of Jesus. And the first reading for this the, the, the weekend Masses was from Genesis chapter 1, mm-hmm. you know, and did God really say and what the serpent was doing? But this is a question that everybody at St. Michael are participating in this uh, study are, has been asked today. What causes you to feel resistant to the idea of being totally devoted to God? I mean, we say, yes, I want to be completely and utterly devoted to God. But to actually say that and to do that, there is some hesitation on our part. Why do you think it is very difficult for us to, as, as Mother Teresa said, to say to Jesus, you can use me without any conditions. I give myself unconditionally. Do with my life whatever you will. Why are we? Why do we struggle with that? Because I actually think it is related to the Genesis passage, Genesis 1. Sure. Do you want to read Genesis 1 for us? Well, I just, I don't have it marked uh, here, but off the top of my head, it's, it's, you know, God creates Adam and Eve from the, from the ground and uh, places them in the garden. And then in the, in the readings of the, this past weekend, right then the serpent says, well, did God really say you shouldn't eat from the tree Mm -hmm. of the knowledge of good and evil? And then Eve responds, well, he says we shouldn't eat uh, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, nor should we touch it. And then there's this interplay between the serpent and Eve. And what was he actually trying to get Adam and Eve to do? And I think it is a part of the, our own condition, the same kind of struggle now Correct. that the temp, tempter addresses to us. Is that helpful? I mean, did I answer your question? Yes. Yeah. So in one word, why, why don't we? Give ourselves unconditionally, like you said, with Mother Teresa's unconditional offering of herself. You know, it comes down to one word, trust. Mm. Trust. And uh, in the Catechism, it speaks about the fall of Adam and Eve. And it's what happened first was the first thing that happened is they let, it said, man let the trust in his creator die in his heart. Right, in the the Genesis story. Yes. So that's that's what happened. 
So once the devil planted the doubt, once you know their trust died, then it was you know open season. Yes. So um, so we live in a fallen condition, uh, and this is important to distinguish. You know, we're that we are we're good. We're still good. We're created very good. We're still good, but broken. Mm-hmm. Wounded. We're, we're not. Uh, we're not uh, depraved, but we're deprived. And one way that uh, Scott, Dr. Scott Hahn explains, um, as others I'm sure have, about what the fall really is, is it's it's not a sin of commission. I didn't. None of us did what they did in the garden. You know, it's not my sin. But what they did was they we they. We are now born in a state of um, of um, privation, lacking, lacking the inheritance. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if it's sort of like a, a simple analogy might be, you know, mom, dad, I, where's all my college fund money? And, oh, we spent it on, you know, and kind of we we went gambling, you know, and we put all of our chips on this one square, one spot, one number, right? All bets, right? And they lost everything, right? So that's that's a, a very weak analogy for the spiritual life that the Lord gave them an inheritance. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the garden, and I've mentioned this in the homily, that we need to understand what did God really say. God said before the serpent shows up, um, he put man in the center of the garden and said to him, you may eat freely. Of every, of every tree. tree. This grand uh, yes, permission. Right, yeah. It wasn't a prohibition. No, yes. you may eat freely. I mean, just... It wasn't just, you know, you can eat it. It was just an abundant, uh, loving offering. You may eat freely of any of the trees of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the moment you do eat, you will die. You will most surely die. Um, so uh, that's what God said. Mm-hmm. The, so the first part was you can eat of any of the trees freely. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's, that's what God said, and then the devil comes along and twists it slightly in the form of a question, not even a statement, just a question, to plant the doubt in the heart of Adam and Eve, and, uh, and they, they bought it. Mm-hmm. So they put all their, they took all their inheritance and lost it. So that's, so that's really the, what we're born into is, you know, we're born, born into a family that has lost its inheritance. You know, so it's, we're, it's not, it's careful language about we're, we're not, um, we're not in total uh, depravity, right? Total wickedness, right? We're not totally depraved, mm-hmm. but we're um, but but de- deprived. Yes, because they were created to share in the divine life. Right. They were they were yeah. Adam and Eve were created. We were ultimately created to share in the the supernatural life of God, to be in harmony with the Lord, and that's what was disrupted in the garden. You know, I've always kind of seen. What the, what the serpent was able to do is to make them see the commandment of God, that one prohibition, as a kind of restriction or imposition over them, um, that God is holding something back from you. Right. He is denying you something that you should have a right to, to make God seem as though he is a rival against right. them. And I do think we, as a general just a general uh, human species of religious people, we do or are attempted to see God as somehow out to get us, Mm -hmm. somehow out to withhold something from us. Maybe we're going to lose something if we devote ourselves totally to God. It may not work out for us. 
And yet this is a God who wants to give himself fully to us that we cannot ever really lose anything. Sure, Jesus says, you need to lose your life for my sake. But then he has all of these promises, but I'm going to give you the fullness of God in, in response. So it's not going to be deprivation. Right. And that's really, um, you know, I'm in the catechism of the year. I'm walking through that as well now this year with Father Mike Schmitz and many, many others across the globe. But we're just literally talking about this in the section of the catechism that we are, you know, deprived, not depraved, not, and we're not totally depraved, which is a a Protestant error. Mm-hmm. You know, um, probably I think Luther's time is that we're totally, we're totally helpless, like in the sense of we, there's no goodness in us anymore, and that it's just God's sheer goodness and His mercy, um, which just carries us to heaven. You know, um, and that there's that's it. You mm-hmm. know, but but that no, we are good but broken you yes. know uh, d- we're still d- in the depraved image of God. as depraved as we're shattered on the ground a million pieces and that's it right you know and he'll just he'll you'll know, scoop us up and and then that's it you know mm-hmm. that's his grace and glue us all back together and you know and i guess i don't know those analogies even work but but um but with that the rather the christian mind is that we're deprived so that we're still good but broken we still need god's grace for everything to occur in our lives but um god's grace isn't making us good you know it's it's restoring us to this is to yeah. restoring the divine life right. that was lost in the yeah, garden but we're yes. still uh created good but morally broken morally mm-hmm. corrupt um and you know so we're strained in our our intellect and will uh they don't have the light um of divine truth shining on them that they once did because uh of the fall um so we it's difficult for us to to know the Lord, to follow him, to serve him faithfully. Uh, so it's a, it, now everything is a struggle. And the Catechism says that too, the struggle, you know, the hard struggle. It's just trying to be faithful. Mm-hmm. It's a struggle for every soul. Um, and what was once maybe simplified or easier is, is, is not. Just being faithful to the Lord is not easy. Yeah, and I think it was also just a distortion of what freedom really is. I think the serpent in the garden... I mean, we could talk about this for several podcasts, like what was really at stake here. This idea that the serpent was planting the seed that if you're going to be a truly free person, then you've got to sort somehow break the shackles of God's commandments. You know, you've got to be able to do your own thing, determine your own way, determine what's right and right's wrong in your own way. And yet freedom in the biblical sense has always been... The, the freedom to choose the good. And of course, God is the ultimate good. And the commandments of God are not to limit our freedom at all. They actually enhance it and make our freedoms possible. Yeah. I've used with some youth before, uh, not a great analogy, but like the, uh, the laws of the road, mm-hmm. the speed limits, the stoplights, the traffic signals, all of that, those exist to allow you to be a, to freely drive in a safe manner, you hope, all the way home. Right. They're not there to restrict you. Yeah. If everybody on the highway says, well, I'm just going to do my own thing. Yeah. You take away the stoplights. It would be total anarchy. anarchy. You would never want to do it. The rules of any sport, those laws exist so you can freely play the game. And that God's commandments are very much, they order us to what are, to what uh, will allow us to be excellent human beings, right. to yeah. be free human beings in that sense of the word. I was just thinking now, though, I th- it's it seems to me that uh, what the devil wants, because he's envious, so he, he basically, um, you know, what's the difference between a thief and a vandal? A thief takes it for himself and runs off. 
the vandal just wants to destroy it. He doesn't want anybody to have it. You know, so, you know, the Mona Lisa vandal, let's just say, just cuts up the painting and destroys it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to have this ever. So I'm just going to destroy it. I don't even, I don't want it. I'm not going to steal it. I'm going to destroy it. So the devil is is that way. His envy, he's just there to destroy us. Mm-hmm. Why? Because he doesn't want us to have the inheritance of our Heavenly Father, which is communion in life with him. Now, the devil lost that, so he realizes what he's lost, and more than we understand what heavenly life is like. But and he knows, um, so he doesn't. But he doesn't want us to have it. Mm-hmm. So he's trying to destroy each of us. And so I think with the garden temptation, it seems to me is there's a break between f- communion and total autonomy. That uh. ultimately it's no, no, no. I don't want you to. I don't even see. You, the, what is what fascinates me about the devil's cunning and the question is the way that the question distorts the image of God in and of itself. It's just it's a it's it baffles me. It it frightens me in a, in, a, in a way that you know this is the power of of a, of a fallen angel that I can plant this question and and I'm already now you're thinking. Now you have another image of God that wasn't there before. Of the right. false image of a f- not the Father Creator, but a maybe a maybe a tyrant, maybe someone who's really just tricked me into this restrictive life, and you know, and just just that distortion, you know, contorted their uh, their hearts, you know, and um, just the insidiousness of it. Yes, um, and not even coming right out and saying anything just sort of i'm going to let that i'm going to see this unravel so um i think what the devil is doing is what he tries to do with the human soul is is this isolation mm-hmm. and autonomy you know the garden is about being in a family because god is father creator he walked with adam and eve in harmony there was harmony there there was family communion and the devil comes and he destroys that it's not just i so it's about breaking rules, and in our modern mind, we really have to we have to grow up out of that, as, as even as Catholics. That you know, Jesus didn't come to get a band of rule followers, right? Like, what are you doing? I'm following all the commandments, you right. know. And but why? Because I'm in love with Jesus. Because I'm in a family. You're yes. in a covenant. These are the laws of love. The things that yes. uh, Dr. Hahn and others propose that the covenant is really a family bond. Yeah. Like we are in a and now with Christ coming. You know, that that what is, you know, the Lord doesn't give us just paradise, earthly paradise. He gives us his son who dies so that we can receive the heavenly inheritance again, mm-hmm. but in a new way, right, in a new way. But it's all about covenant relationship, meaning there's a family bond, that God is our father. We're in a family, and with families there's responsibilities and expectations and, and you know, boundaries in family life and so but but how can we really it seems to me that you just the right way to exercise freedom is always in a communal setting right it's you know in a family you're being you're choosing to freely love or not if you're uh, autonomous you know and you th- and that's our american fallen mind saying that's freedom freedom is doing what you want when you want which is sin i want what i want on my terms and you know like there's a cloak Freedom is a cloak word for sin in many, many cases. But it's really just, are you trying to pull yourself 
away from the Father. Mm-hmm. Which goes back to your initial question from the, uh, the spiritual experience returned by Father John Burns, this Lenten experience, where he asked today, what is holding you back from being completely uh, given over to the Lord? You know, But Jesus' faith in the garden, which you'll talk about here, is Jesus never lost trust in his Father, that heart of total orientation to the Heavenly Father is there. And I really desire that. Because I know in my own heart is simply not there. I just know I have way too many attachments, and that when you talk like Mother Teresa, you know, it's so beautiful. I think I think I think I just want to, gosh, I want to make that prayer, you know. And uh, but it is it becomes we're still being plagued by the same battle plan in the garden, you know, that God is somehow or maybe we're not too sure, and yeah, He's out to I get, get us. Really, if right. I get real too close and. You know, maybe I'll lose my family or something bad's going to happen to me, a tragedy, you know, or I'm just waiting for the other shoe to fall, you know. And and so, and I know that my heart's doing that, you know, so this Lenten journey has been helpful, but I, I know that I'm just not, I'm just not there right now. I mean, I, I want to trust more and I know that God's given me the grace to do that. Uh, but this, I like what Lent really is doing is right out of the gate. It's based like just everybody raise your hand because you don't we just don't trust in our heavenly father like we should not unconditionally and not yeah, unreservedly yeah, there's right. always a little bit of like what, what, what will i lose i feel like i might lose something if well, i give myself wholeheartedly to the way yeah. of jesus you know uh, that i'll be deprived in some way and i think that's the primordial temptation for each one of us and wanting to hunger for christ because i'm you, i mean i suppose we are going to lose quote, everything in the sense that we're going to die. We're going to lose yes. relationships and, you know, our earthly lives are passing away. So there is this mixture of, we, well, there is loss. There are hard times, you know, for sure. There's difficult chapters of life. But I suppose, it, you know, it, it, it seems to just, do I really just want Christ? Yes. And do you understand Christ as the center of your, your being, uh, I mean, the, the the devil also, I mean, he really gives birth to the idea of, uh, of an ego. Um, I mean, Adam and Eve before then, they would have never understood themselves as individuals. Right. Like, I am my own person. It was always in relation to one another and to the Lord. That's right. But then the question, all of a sudden, the, the devil was, was able to individuate Adam and Eve. They could start thinking as though God was, again, over against them. I am my own person. But, I mean, what Paul says in Galatians, you know, it's no longer I who live, it is Christ who lives in me. That's the biblical uh, definition of a really free person, when, this, when, when Christ is fully alive in you. And I guess my, my point is that we are afraid that we will be less than fully alive, mm-hmm. than, we will be less than the people we want ourselves to be if we give ourselves completely over to God and to his will. That's the lie. I mean, yes, the saints suffered. We've talked about that on this podcast before. You can read the story of any saint. Uh, Yes, there are hardships, but all of the people who did whatever they could to devote themselves totally to God were fully alive and filled with his joy as a result and had no regrets in life. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the joyful news of Lent. Right. You know, it's a season of conversion. I was talking with a priest friend of mine the other day about that, just... You know, I'm inspired to do the same as, you know, Seb just saying it's Lent, it's Lent, Holy Lent. Yes, it is. It's a season of conversion. And just the other day, the the opening prayer for Mass was, Convert us, Lord. You know, that's powerful. I mean, 
Whoa, you mean us here in the church in the pew? Convert us, Lord. Yeah, everybody up in here, yes. you know, is going to, he's saying, the church is praying, convert us, Lord, because we apparently need it, you know, uh, for the season of Lent. Conversion and, is a nonstop process. It is. Um, but again, with the first right out of the gate um, in return is, return to me with your whole heart, says the prophet Joel, you know, in the first acclamation of Ash Wednesday. Yes. We can't, we have to really remember this is what it's about. It's always about returning to me with your whole heart, says the Lord. So that's every day of Lent and every day of our lives is are we really on that return? Are we really allowing Him to open our hearts and free them from the attachments? But we need, the Lord wants one thing from us it's a wholehearted return. Yes. Well, I, I, before we move on to the temptation story uh, of the Lord, which is really kind of the counterpoint to what happened in the Garden of Eden. As you drew uh, drew out on Sunday, you know this idea of autonomy. When in the Bible it's theonomy, you know it's the law of God within you. That's the truly free person. God is not our rival, <laughs> you right. know, and His commands are always there to bring to point us or to order us to His own life and to a fully alive life. So the uh, the temptation stories. Uh, the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, when he goes out into the wilderness, he's he's fasting 40 days and 40 nights. I guess this is really the basis for Lent, isn't it? The, the, the logic behind Lent is the 40 days that Jesus yeah. was tempted in the wilderness. Here we are. I thought what we would do uh, for the next few minutes is to look at each one of these three temptations and to kind of get at you know, what, was the, what was the devil really trying to do. And the first one, uh, turn these stones uh, into bread. But Jesus answered, it is written, one does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. On Sunday, you said that the very first temptation that Adam, by which Adam and Eve fell was about food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and the very first temptation of the Lord is about food. What was going on here uh, with the Lord? Why do you think the devil was tempting him to turn these stones into bread? Because on, on the surface, it would, think, it, would, it would seem to think, well, this is a normal, good Right. We've got rational. to eat. There's nothing, nothing yeah, wrong with this. Rational. What's going on here? Well, again, it's it's the devil's attempt to break his trust in the Father, to get him to be disoriented, not oriented, perfectly oriented to his Father's will. Jesus is that way. Yes, you know. So, just you know, just slightly make a course heading change. Just step out of here. Just put one foot off you know, into the other box for a second and just, you know, do your own thing. Uh, often provide see- for yourself. And, um, you know, I find it, it's just sort of um, mildly comical that um, the um, the devil says, turn stones into bread. I made everything from nothing. Mm. I mean, the Lord of Lords, I mean, creation ex nihilo, you know, um, I don't need a stone. I don't need a pebble. I don't need a. I don't need a grain of wheat, you know. Um, and then I was reading a commentary that said, you know, also, you know, to make the stone and bread would be. It's like, well, God willed to create this. This is supposed to be a stone. It's not supposed oh, to be. Oh, interesting. You need right? to manipulate creation. Yeah, it needs it's to like, be something no, other than what it is. is. Yeah, you know. And then we say, well, what about the water and the wine? You know, well, water, water and wine go together. I mean, it's not. It's an enhancement of something in creation, not. You know, like, well, I'm, you know, turning, you know, um, a fig leaf into wine or something. You know, mm-hmm. it's just so, yeah, just also keeping things in, in creative order. You know, he's always trying to destroy that, too. You know, but also the nature of a thing. 
right? It is what it is, you know. And don't we right. don't and we God think created we can, it that way? Yeah, and don't we think we can just keep that flipping way. switches on that in our culture? I, you know, uh, I see a couple of things here as well. Like, I think Jesus the, it was the temptation of materialism on a certain to a certain degree. Just make your life about the body and material concerns. And ignore the spiritual concerns. That's not really what's important. Right. Just make your life about the body. And Jesus rejected that. I also think, and we've talked about this before, that if Jesus was able and it was able to turn all those stones into bread, just think of how many bellies he could feed. Because we've been to the Holy Land now. That's you've right, seen true. you've seen all the stones that are all over these <laughs> barren true. hills. Yeah. And that, you know, make your ministry, Jesus. I mean, you are going to be the Messiah. Well, if you're really going to save the world. You know, the poor need some food and make your ministry just about yeah. feeding the, the and, poor. And I'm wondering, you know, you, we talked about the stones we saw. I mean, the stones and I don't know what stone the devil was referring to, you know, but it could have been big boulders, you know. Sure. Just like turn this stone into bread. Like how about, right. a, a, you know, a ginormous loaf of bread, you know. But you're right. Almost this, you know, all we got to do is just solve world hunger. Solve world and, hunger, and, and, or the, or and, just be about oh, social justice. Just make right. your ministry about social concerns. But isn't that interesting that he didn't? He could have. It's like there would be no hung, there'd be no worldly hunger. You'll be full, and yeah. so will all the bellies of these other poor people, and they need food. I mean, that's the right. thing. The devil was yeah, like, yeah. they need food. The body needs food. But what Jesus is saying, no, the bias of our life. The bias of my life, the bias of my mission is on the side of, of life in the spirit, life with God, the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, staying in union with my father. Yeah, I see this before, we, you know, moving on. I, I can see the church being tempted as the body of Christ uh, in, in time, this, the social justice option. Let's just make church life about addressing social concerns, which are good, which are important, they are. but it's got to be just more than that. There's a supernatural side to life as right. well that I think the devil was tempting Jesus to, uh, to ignore. And then the second uh, temptation, the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple saying, if you're the son of God, throw yourself down because the Bible says, my paraphrase, the Bible says the angels will bear you up and you will not strike your, your uh, body against the stone. But Jesus says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. What do you see in that temptation? I'm just curious. Like, What was the devil trying to tempt Jesus? What would have been the harm in taking a leap off of the temple? Well, I mean, I think it was really about pushing, uh, you know, sort of pushing the Father, um, you know, to act, you know, and, and especially, and, you know, if you, I mean, if you throw yourself out of the temple, you're going to die. <laughs> that's right. I mean, it was all, it was The also, temple was very high. Yeah, yes. I mean, you know, you throw yourself off, you're going to die. I mean, that's, the whole thing is, you know, is, is also making, in a sense, a mockery of, of, of the messianic sacrifice, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know. He's not gonna let you. Not gonna let you die, is he? You know, and that. Yes. That interesting, you know. Uh, that yes, he is. Yes. But not on your terms. You know, not on this way, not in this, not in this fashion. Yeah. You know. Um, so I mean, and I, and, um, you know, marveling. I think just be a marvel. Oh yes, a you know, spectre, be, be, spectacle. Get a crowd. You're getting crowds anyways, and if you do this, if the angels fly in and. And catch you. I mean, gosh, look at all the. There'll be, you know, hundreds of people see it, and it'll be such a like marvel, and they'll just believe. They'll go, "Of course, you're the son of God." Right. You know, there's some connections there, 
that maybe we can catch before we end the podcast about that moment. But that's interesting about the angels and then also marveling. Mm-hmm. Well, and Jesus would go on in his ministry to talk about the danger of always seeking a sign. Yeah. Um, that's but today's gospel. It was, it was, that is today's gospel as well because signs – I, I, you know, I've shared with uh, the other people here on staff, like, like a sign from God is like, it's like lunch. Uh, you know, it fills you up for a time, but eventually you go, I don't know, what, what did, I, did I really see what I thought I saw? The, the effect begins to wear out yeah. and to wear off over a period of time. Why? Because all signs have to assume a created form. They have to be created. They have to be seen with the senses. But the senses cannot fulfill an infinite desire. We always end up going, I need to see another sign. Maybe just one more. Yeah, right. They never uh, satisfy uh, for a time, but except for a time. Um, I've got some uh, sentences here from one of my favorite theologians, uh, Howard Thurman. And he was uh, one of the great theological mentors of Martin Luther King Jr., and um, and it goes back to what you had said as well, that surely if I jump, the Father's going to rescue me. And Howard Thurman writes this. He kind of makes it more on a personable, personal, um, puts it on the personal plane. It is reasonable for a man to say, if I'm good, if I try to do the best that I can, if I have followed the law of my heart in ways that were deliberate and conscious, tried to understand the will of God and put myself at its disposal, if I have not withheld my compassion from the needy and have offered my thanksgiving to God for all of his graces which he has surrounded me, if I have an inner sense of harmony and peace with his spirit, then this ought to give me certain pragmatic advantages in life. I ought to be privileged to be an exception to the rules." that bind people who have not been acting this way. And then he asks, have you ever felt this way? In other words, that what the serpent was doing to Jesus is to try to make, convince him to think that you'll be the exception. Mm-hmm. The normal things that apply to everybody else, like right. gravity, right. will not apply to you because yeah. you're the son of God and yeah. you're doing his will. And then he just extrapolates from that this, this, this same kind of thinking that we have that, wait a minute, my life is kind of messed up. Yeah. And I'm trying to do God's will. Shouldn't I be the exception? Right. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't the normal laws of nature not apply to me in some kind of yeah. way? I mean, I find that to be accurate. Yeah. So I think the temptations are all, it's all about, can you just, like the tree, the same thing, go off and take the fruit. You'll be like God's. Do your own thing. Take it for yourself. Yes. You know, that it's all about diverting from the Father in a different way. I'm tempting you, but the, the result is the same. Divert him from the Father's heart. Yeah, and don't you think also that we we do struggle sometimes that if we have faith in the Lord God, that we ought to have advantages in life. It should somehow give us an advantage. It should work for us. Well, that's, the, that's probably the fear that underlies lack of trust in the Father, okay. is that we're wondering things, life should be easier, or I know my life won't be easy and there will be trials, but not these kind of trials. Right. The ones that crush us. Yes. You know, and that, and that shouldn't we not be crushed by life's trials mm-hmm. because I'm so faithful. Right. I mean, that I think is really where all the battle happens is I'm faithful and, you know, life, the Lord's blessing me and life. And then, you know, you lose a child to a tragedy. You know, a spouse yes. gets diagnosed with cancer. Right. You get diagnosed with cancer. You lose your job. Your company folds. You know, there's uh, just 
And that's the voice. Violence that, of the world, you know, tra- just all kinds. Of, and then so, so that, but that, but it's there though, isn't it? Isn't it quietly in the background that like, shouldn't things be working for yes. me? Yes. And so that's, you know, my fear in my own heart is that that I hope I don't want to be attached to that. I don't want to fear anything. Yeah. You know, but I also don't want to. Um, I mean, I don't want to think that way. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm trying. I, I know I think that way. I mean, I'm just being honest. Mm-hmm. You know, life should be, life is good. Things are put together. Things are going great. You know, or whatever. And then, and this ought God to be the case because know? I'm trying to follow. So the will I keep of God. trying to to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, that's all. This is your blessing. Everything that's great and wonderful here at St. Michael. It's all you, and to your to you be the glory. Um, you know um, that you know I'm not. I'm not central. I don't, you know, the, your son is center. Always be that way, you know, praying for that. <clears throat> but that to not live with that, well, you know, one day it'll get worse or one day bad, you know. And then, you know, so there's always that mm. nagging little sense of even when things are good, like, well, it always will be this way. And then, you know, and, and yeah. then you're just, but you, I suppose to simplify it, rambling a bit, that, you know, we just figure God's behind all of it. Mm-hmm. The good and the bad. Mm-hmm. He's just behind all of it. And in a sense, he is, in that he allows for things to unfold uh, and, you know, violence and things in the world. I mean, he's not, he's not Superman, mm-hmm. you know, who's flying in to save everything from utter disaster, you know. Um, you know, like every tragedy is about to happen, you know, God's right there to make sure it doesn't happen. You know, the yeah. kid's not going to fall out of the tree and these cars aren't going to collide and this boat isn't going to sink and this bomb isn't going to go off and, you know, this this uh, villain isn't going to win. So, I mean, but God isn't doing that. Yes. You know, so that I think that we live our lives as struggling with just that we just are we we just need to learn more about who he really is and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who he, what he really came to do. And even the apostles wanted a messianic, and he is what Jesus is, a warrior. And I know there's a lot of good uh, commentaries revealing that Jesus came to do war with the devil and battle of death mm-hmm. and sin and death. Yes, he's a warrior. He comes to fight. He's fighting. But, he, you know, the apostles want a fighter too, they wanted, but they wanted a messianic liberator, a political liberator. Get us out from under the thumb of Rome, mm-hmm. you know, and free us from this oppressive government. In this oppressive lifestyle, free know. us from suffering. Yes, the the earthly suffering. Like this, yes. our life is is just miserable, and it was. But then Jesus's great moment was being crucified. I mean that. I mean, gosh, that. Yeah. And you mentioned that the other day with the, and say a word about that. The Jews looked at that and like, curse be a man who hangs oh, on. Oh well, I mean, nobody would have ever associated uh, the lordship of uh, the Messiah and associated with crucifixion. Right. Uh, because in the Torah, is uh, that means you are accursed of God. And we need to make that clear that the crucifixion wasn't just a Roman. It was a Roman punishment, but from the Jewish eye and from all the scriptures that they were entrenched in, that basically said publicly, he is not the Messiah. He is not the Messiah. He is actually the opposite. He is yeah. accursed he of is a, God. Accursed of God. Yeah. And, and I, that I, comes from the, what's the biblical passage? Uh, it's in Deuteronomy 21. Uh, I believe it's Deuteronomy. You see the Deuteronomy 21 or Deuteronomy 23. And I think I've shared this on another podcast. That's why the chief priests and scribes insisted that he go to Pilate for crucifixion. Only the Romans could crucify in those days. That's why they wanted him crucified instead of just saying, well, we'll take care of this ourselves. We'll have him stoned. 
Yeah. No, they wanted to really underscore to everybody else this man Jesus was a fraud, and the proof is that he's been hanged on a tree. And, look and Deuteronomy 21 and says, whoever's says, hanged on a tree yeah. is accursed of God. But, you know, even the first two, you shouldn't suffer. I mean, don't you think the devil is trying to tempt Jesus as well? You should not be suffering. That's true. That, that suffering should don't not suffer, be your light at all if you are the Messiah. Don't suffer starvation. Yes. Don't suffer you know, don't uh, from suffer, a fall, don't if you suffer, fall, well, you don't shouldn't suffer, suffer death. Yes, and don't suffer death. I you mean, there's that I mean. option as well. Yeah. Again, I think the first couple of temptations is your faith, you're doing the will of God, ought to produce an advantage. And the advantage ought to manifest itself in no suffering right? in some way. And that's a real temptation even for us. And then the last one, um, the, the devil says, he shows him all the, the, the kingdoms of the world. And he says to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then it says the devil left him and suddenly the angels came and waited on him. What was at stake in the third temptation in your read and your understanding? Well, I mean, that, that, that was probably the worst one. The most tempting. Well, I mean, but I mean, I, I don't know that I said most tempting, but. Um, well, yes, in the sense Christ came to establish a kingdom, but yes. not an earthly one. But I think, I mean, you know, the worship is the giving of self, right? If you will worship me. I mean, just that was like, that's like the worst. To me, my ears, that one sounds the worst to me. It's just mm-hmm. give yourself to me. Mm-hmm. That's what that is. I mean, that's not just worship. I mean, we think, I know, I think, you know, oh, we prostrate and just, oh, you're so, you know, whatever. I don't know. You're just kind of bowing down and, oh, devil and da da da, you know. And no, I mean, this was, this wasn't just, this was give yourself to me. Yes. Give me, I mean, and he does, though, in another way at, the, at Calvary, he lays himself out for the hands of evil, you know, and the devil does get to have his way, his hour. Yeah. You know, um, but what's at stake there is just the, the, this, the heart of a son, you know, right there is that, you know, uh, just why don't you just kick the whole Torah out the window? Mm-hmm. The Lord is God alone, and that's what Jesus gives him, right? That last, yes. you know, in him alone shall you serve. Yes. But before he says that, he says, get away, Satan. Right. You know, he banishes him, you know, and that's really that, really that exorcism you know, kind of cast him, cast him out, you know. Um, but I think there's something I noticed in the gospel this Sunday that maybe we miss because we're so entrenched and focused on those temptations because they are just very captivating mm-hmm. because they, we've all faced them all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, yeah, this is familiar ground, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's all about me, you know. Um, but it says, and the angels came and ministered to him. Yes. And I thought to myself, I don't know what the commentators have said, but I'd like to think they brought him food. <laughs> right. I mean, I mean, but really. Yeah. Like, what the hell did they finally do? Um, here come the angels to minister to you. Yeah. You're starving, and you're human. You need to eat. I mean, he had to eat. It was like, this isn't going to go on forever. Um, and then, you know, he's got to be, he's physically suffering. Oh, so sure. maybe, you know, I don't know what they, how they ministered to him to, you know, revive him, you know, and then, uh, you know, so the angels did show up, right? It's sort of, and then I'd like to think they brought food or something. It's like, you know, look, the father provided me my food and the father provided me the angels that you said, throw yourself off the temple. 
make a make the angels come get you, you know, and then uh, and then they minister him because he's God, so they're worshiping him. Mm-hmm. Don't you say, I, and the angels are doing what the devil didn't do. Decided I wouldn't. Do true. It. Not going to serve. I will not serve you. These are the angels that showed up and said, "We will serve." Yep. I mean, the devil. I, I see it, it as I, I read it. The devil was tempting him to go ahead and do what he came to do, but do it in a very natural, humanly political way. Yeah. You want world peace? You're going to take over the kingdoms? Of the world? Well, let's yeah. do this. Um, yeah. You can you can create the world peace problem. All you got to do is just take over, mm-hmm. which would require coercion. Which is no different than how any other empire has uh, enacted its way and its will on other nations. It would be a kind of coercion, um, but it would completely compromise uh, the mission that he came to achieve in his life. Well, who gave? He said all these kingdoms have been delivered, handed over to me. Isn't that's that in Luke? Yeah, I think uh, yeah. not. Not here. All of these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Which I know presumes, in Luke's gospel says they belong to me. The which, devil says these which kingdoms belong to me. Presumes that he has them. Yeah. And he does, in a sense, because of the, the garden. Right. You know, so they're, but who's allowed all that? Sure. And as Jesus says to Pilate, you know, you wouldn't have, you know, I don't, I give my life over, I, hand, I lay my life down freely. Yes. You know. Um, but I don't know, I just, that the angels, you know, hear the gospel three times in a row and mass and things jump out. So the angels, it just is that last line, I think, you know, um, I think it's an amazing moment that, the angels just showed up and yes you know um howard thurman i'm quoting him on this uh, third temptation he says think about the last week that's just passed or this month for what kind of advantage did you give up the moral initiative over your own life uh, was it worth it what do you say to god when he asks you for an accounting do you say i was in a tight place i was afraid of pain I am so temperamentally constituted that I cannot stand the rejection of my fellows. I want people to like me because this has been one of my problems all my life. I need to uh, provide for my family. This, I understand that he frames it in the idea of making a moral compromise. Mm-hmm. Like these are the things I need to do, but I got to compromise a little bit despite what my moral convictions really tell me so I can at least make that achievement. And what Thurman says is that Jesus resolved uh, the dilemma by saying that man's central loyalty must always be to God. And anything that conflicts with that is against God. If it's against God, it's against life. And if it's against life, it cannot abide. The first thing that is lost is a man's own soul. Do you believe that? Um, and we're all we the temptation to make moral compromise, right? Uh, as opposed to being completely loyal to God and, and 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 living life according to His way, which is difficult, which is uh, which is hard at times. But to compromise is to forfeit, as the Lord says, our own soul. Jesus rejected that temptation. Yes, it would be good to have the kingdoms of the world subject now to Jesus Christ, but He would have to do that in disobedience. And he refused to compromise his mission and what God had called him to do right. for the sake of those passing goods. Yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, complete sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's really the struggle of our lives, of the heart. Yeah. You know, that we we should never presume that compromise isn't part of our lives. Is that we're all doing that. Mm-hmm. Because you compromise when you sin. You yes. You decide to make a compromise, and then you sin. Right. Um, but that really is the struggle of, you know, of Lent. Again, the season of conversion, you know, we've got to be serious looking at life saying, am I really becoming converted? Yeah. 
you know, this is this is so huge because we were weekend literally today, a weekend at Lent, and our practices and everything. You know, why does any of it matter? Because in the end, all our sacrifices, in my opinion, are straw. Throw it in. You know, what I gave up this, I gave up that. I gave. You know, maybe it's great, maybe it's hard, maybe it's a whole list of things. But, but why? For what purpose? If it doesn't bring a conversion of heart, it's nothing. Right. You know, you can have the most austere list of stuff and like, man, this guy is really serious or whatever, but but why? And so I keep asking myself, am, am I, are my practices leading me to a greater conversion? Are they pointing to Jesus? You know, and in the end, nothing. Nothing compares to Christ's sacrifice on the cross. I mean, everything we're sacrificing is... From a first world perspective, whatever we're giving up is probably luxuries anyway. Right. You know, even to it's give true. up, even to give up what we're giving up is like we're already, you know, giving up things that are luxurious to have anyway. But many countries have no money to even have to choice to have or not have. And I think that's the whole point of fasting and giving up some of these things. We are attached to them. I mean, I can confess that uh, I've given up a few things, and I, and. After day three, I was like, "Oh, I really miss yeah. this." Wow, I'm at, I'm attached. Yeah. Okay, that's a that's an issue uh, because I I, I'm not wholehearted. Yeah. But I my, thought of the, the same thing. Yeah, yeah, the space of yeah. my heart is not completely yeah. devoted with God. I've got a few other pieces of furniture right. in there, yeah. things that uh, I'm I'm attached to. Um, but it's to show us that wait a minute. Looking back, when Easter comes. You know, I I could live without. I actually lived without the things I thought I could not live without. Right. Yeah. Yep. And uh, yeah, go without to live on God. The, to go without to live on God, because ultimately, I mean, we're going to be detached to the goods of this life mm-hmm. eventually, yeah. yep. and we want to be ready for that day uh, as well. I mean, I've, I've joked with people: go go to the cemetery and ask the dead about bond yields and the, the today's news or what's <laughs> yeah. happening in the housing market. Yeah. They don't care. They're not attached, or or right. what's on sale today. Yeah. They they don't care because they're dead to this yeah, world. Right. They're dead to yeah. this world, and we want to be dead to this world, disattached yeah. from the goods of this world as much as we can, yeah. so that as we, as can, we can, as you said, live completely on God yeah. and that and not be afraid to fully devote ourselves yeah. to him so let's orient our hearts completely like Jesus let's use let's let's the God has given us Lent with a gift really is you know if he didn't give us Lent I guess it's very simple if he didn't give us Lent we wouldn't do it <laughs> you could true. just forget it yes it's you know? it's one of the laws yeah. of love you got to do this but it's for our own good and it'll make you freer and more self-controlled so thank you father week two of Lent comes up be invested, be transformed, be his as we move through Lent and keep um, keep working with your uh, return experience. If many of you are doing that, as I said, 350 people are out there, uh, including me and Shane. Uh, and don't be discouraged. Stay on, stay on target. <laughs> it's too close. Stay on target. Uh, stay on stay target. Stay the course. Stay the course. Be persevering and don't give up. If you miss a day, get just go. And I think that. It's going to be difficult, friends. You know, as you move through Lent, you might get tired of the book. You might, you know, lose interest. That's all normal. You should be expecting it. And don't give up. Persevere. Thank you, Father. Uh, if you've got more uh, or questions about our parish, you want to know more about our parish, please visit our church website at stmccg.org. On behalf of Father Rossi, I am Shane Page, your host. We'll see you next time. God bless.